from the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, good afternoon. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed Martin Armstrong. And uh, after talking to him, I think we'll just go get a bunker and some gold and... <laughs> Jeez, man, what a trip. Well, um, thanks for being here. We're going to do another show today. 21 February with a good man. He He's in the no virus camp. His website, as you saw uh, on for a moment, I'll put it up there again, is Vero Ligy, <laughs> Lie, L-I-E-G-Y. His name is Mike Stone. And long ago, Mike had uh, uh, a close family member that came together or that, that, you know, got sick and he went, started looking into this thing called the virus. And Mike Stone, you came up with the idea after looking at a lot of research and talking to people that Louis Pasteur, it was a fraud. They just made it up. This whole virus thing just isn't true. Wow. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, so it's true, isn't it? It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, they just, they never have actually identified, they've never shown that the particles that they claim are viruses are ever within the fluids of a sick human. They just can't find them there. You know, the only way that they can even attempt to demonstrate uh, what they call viruses is through a pseudoscientific process called cell culturing, which, you know, they don't start off with the particles. They create them, and it's the end result of the experiments. So, yeah, they they can't demonstrate that the viruses are within our our bodies at any point. So they've never been able to cut open somebody or even in the back in the Spanish flu or AIDS or any of that and say, okay, well, here's the virus. We see it and we don't have anything mixed up with it, you know, in a, in a Petri dish and then give it to somebody else and you get whatever they had. That's never been done, correct? Right, right. Yeah, they don't, they don't, like, they'll, they'll never just take the fluids. Like, you know, I think the closest, I, I believe we discussed this one point with the, the Milton rose now experiments during the spanish flu where they took the fluids of the the patients that were supposedly sick with the spanish flu and tried to inoculate healthy volunteers with those fluids and and just from those fluids alone they couldn't do it they attempted injecting the blood of these um, victims of the flu into healthy subjects and could not make them sick they had them you know speak really close they, they sat with these sick the healthy people sat with the sick patients for like uh i think at least 10 minutes maybe longer i can't remember how long it was but they were really close talking to them they were told to cough on the healthy person multiple times take deep breaths in so that they would you know get the the air you know into their bodies uh they shook hands different things like that no one ever came down with any sort of illness or disease and, and they repeated this multiple times. It wasn't just one time. They, mm. they did it on the West Coast and the East Coast and, and could not demonstrate it just from that sense. What was but his then, last yeah. name? Excuse me. Oh, oh you're fine. It's Rose, I think it's Rosenau, R-O-S-E-N-A-U. Okay. Yeah, and and so, I mean... They just couldn't prove it. They just couldn't prove it. Right. And, and that would be the closest thing, you know, to trying to prove something naturally is if if you're going to claim that we can make each other sick, the best way to do it would be taking a healthy person and putting them next to a sick person and just demonstrating that just that act alone can make someone sick. Because that's how you would naturally, you know, based on their theory, that's how you would naturally acquire the diseases through the aerosols, you know, the, right. the, the flu coming from the person, whether they're talking and you're breathing those in. Um, instead, what they do is they'll take the fluids from a sick patient. Normally, it's the lung fluids, and they'll add that to a cell culture, which typically consists of like a monkey kidney cell. Um, they'll put that in with different um, antibiotics, antifungals. They throw in some uh, fetal cow blood and other different nutrients and chemicals and they'll they'll culture that for a while and they'll look for what they call the cytopathogenic effect which is basically just the cell dying you know it's being poisoned with all these different with all the things they poison the cell they poison it right yes i mean 
the cell is already out of its natural environment. And so, you know, it's being kept alive, so to speak, in this um, nutrient medium. But then they're adding a bunch of foreign material, fluids from a sick host and putting a whole bunch of other chemicals in there. And they'll incubate it for a few days. Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll wait like four days. And if they don't see anything, they do what they call passaging, where it'll take just the top layer of the cell culture and then put that into a new cell with even more chemicals. And then they'll get, you know, incubate it for a few more days and they'll see this death of the cell. And when they see that, they claim that, oh, there's the virus, it's in there, it's causing this cell to break apart and die. But there are many other factors that can lead to that same effect. I mean, they've admitted to bacteria being able to cause this. They've admitted just the antibiotics alone can lead to cell death. Hmm. Like they, they use um, uh, normally streptomycin and amphotericin B, which are toxic to kidneys. And, uh, you know, they're using a kidney cell. So obviously putting kidney toxic antibiotics in with a kidney cell is probably going to do some damage. Um, and so they'll, they'll say parasites and amoebas, just even the age of the cell can cause the same effect. So they're, it's not, you know, they're looking for this effect that they claim is due to a virus, but it's not specific to a virus. And when they do controls, like they used to do in the 1950s, actually with Enders, who created this technique, he, he actually did controls where they had, you know, cultures that did not, were said no, not to contain a virus, and they still got the same effect. And so they use this effect to claim a virus, but there's no virus necessary to get the effect. It's, it's all back. Stefan Laka recently did the same thing, right, Mike Stone? He, he, he recently yep. went through that whole, and same effect with no virus, same effect. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think he even he used yeast instead of a virus hmm. uh, at one point, and he even was able to create apparently the same genomes uh, just using the the supernatant that he got from from these experiments. So, I mean, they the the problem with virology is they're doing things backwards. They're trying to claim that by creating an effect in a petri dish, that this proves their cause exists. But they don't have that thing existing before their experiment. They don't have the virus on hand. They're saying that they're creating it through their experiment, which is backwards. In order to be valid scientifically, you have to have that what's called the independent variable. So the assumed virus particles. You would have to have those first before you do your experiment. You, you don't get it and generate it after you, you do your experiment. It's backwards. Mike Stone is with us. Our phones are out because of the rain. But if you care to join with a question or comment... Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, if you could move your camera over to your political left, I'd like to get you more in the center just a little bit. Sure, yeah, I noticed. I can never figure out this laptop. Yeah, go the other way. Go the other way. There you go. Now we got you right there, Mike Stone. I can't figure out my left. Yeah, left from right. So just a short course before we get into some other things. So what did Louis Pasteur do? He started all this, right? He's, and what did, what was he right. up to? What was his motive? Well, the one that I looked into mostly with him was, you know, rabies. And he was ah. uh, supposedly the, the guy who proved that there was a rabies virus and created the vaccine for, for rabies. Which, you know, again, even if you go into, like, uh, the uh, literature for, for Louis Pasteur, it is admitted that he never isolated uh, a virus. He, he did not have it on hand. And he even attempted, you know, in his experiments with um, animals. So with rabies, you know, it's supposedly in the saliva of a sick animal, right? right? That's where the virus is supposed to spread. And then you get it because you get bit by a rabid animal. And then it's supposed to go into your system, attack your central nervous system. So the virus is supposed to be in the fluids. The CDC, I even uh, found a, a source saying that the CDC said there's like mil millions of viral particles within the fluids of, of a, a rabid animal. Hmm. Um, but he couldn't, he couldn't take just those fluids, the saliva, and make animals rabid. He was trying to, and he failed a lot of the times, trying to make animals sick, injecting them with the saliva from rabid animals, you know, so-called rabid animals. So what he ended up doing was he would take the brains of dogs or other animals that were said to be rabid and he'd emulsify them 
and add them with different chemicals. Unfortunately, we don't exactly know what he put into these mixtures. They, they just admit that there were neurotrophic agents within the, the concoctions. And he would inject this mixture into the brains of healthy animals, healthy dogs. And then when they would, you know, become uh, sick or paralyzed or go crazy, then he would claim success. But, you know, is that a natural route? Are, are people or animals getting, you know, unpurified goo injected into their brains to become rabid? No, it, it's he created a, an effect through using unpurified materials and injecting it unnaturally into these animals and then claimed that that was where the rabies virus was located. It's all indirect evidence of assuming a virus exists. So with everything you've looked at, do you feel that this whole rabies thing with animals and dogs is all made up as well? It's just not true? Yeah, well, the story isn't true. I mean, there are, you know, you'll see animals that will go through these symptoms. But is there another cause for it, like a toxicological, environmental Mm -hmm. um, cause? Because most of them are in the wild. Like, did they get into some sort of chemical Chemical. or something else that could have caused them to have some neurological damage? But even when you look into the rabies in animals, and especially in humans, it's rare. It's very rare. And... Uh, the actual, like, the neurological symptoms that are associated with the disease are very rare, too. Like, almost never seen in nature. Hmm. Um, and so, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of uh, Gerald Gason. He was a leading Pasteur researcher. No. And he was actually privy to Pasteur's uh, private notebooks. And, and these were notebooks on his research that he didn't, he instructed his family and everyone to never let this be known, never let the public see this. But I think it was like his great grandson or someone ended up releasing the notebooks and this this researcher was able to look at him. And he actually showed uh, through his research that Pasteur actually lied and manipulated his data quite a bit and uh, did a lot of unethical practices. And so um, he even admitted that rabies, you know, they're basically, People could be bit by a rabid animal and forgo treatment in many cases and be absolutely fine. But the vaccines themselves, when they were given these vaccines, were actually creating the neurological symptoms that were being associated with rabies. So the vaccine was actually worse than the actual disease. So it's pretty crazy. Do you think that's the case today that all of us dog owners who were forced to get the rabies, you know, because if you don't have the tag and they get out, they'll just kill them. I mean, right? Yeah, it's terrible. It's it's the only one by law that's like mandated, I believe, by law is yeah. that you have to have your animal um, vaccinated for rabies. And I have a friend who's been looking into this, and and I I did a little bit of research into it for him, but you can even find uh, studies where they admit that these animals that are giving given the rabies vaccine are being killed. They're, they're dying from the injection, really? you know, or they'll succumb to the same disease. Because um, it's it's different. With rabies, it's the one vaccine where you're not getting it. Like, you know, when you go in for a yearly flu shot, you're getting the vaccine, uh, and it's supposed to protect you from ever getting the flu, right? With rabies, it's it's back, backwards. You're, you're normally assumed to have bitten by a rabid animal, and then they give it to you afterwards. The virus is supposedly already in you, and it's supposed to stop the virus from killing you. But there are numerous cases where that's not the case. You know, some I, I was looking into. I think I found like twelve different um, articles and studies just even recently, where these people were supposedly bitten by a rabid animal, and they were given the vaccine, which was supposed to save them, and it ended up killing them. Hmm. They actually succumbed to the same disease, and they blamed the vaccine. They, they knew for a fact it was the vaccine and not the so-called virus. Is the vaccine they give somebody with these symptoms, Mike Stone, the same as they give the healthy dogs to prevent this quote-unquote rabies? Oh, that's a, you know, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm, I believe they're the same, but uh, I'm not exactly positive. Oh. But j- just as you said, like these people that are getting these vaccines don't have symptoms. You know, they're, they're just bitten, and they're assumed to have I virus. See. Then they're given the, the vaccine to prevent it, and then they succumb to symptoms. And so you could either take it one way. Oh, they didn't get to them in time, and the virus got them. 
or as is being admitted recently, the vaccines are actually doing more damage than good. And as you may know, uh, if you go to a vet and you get a pup, I mean, they want to give these pups all kinds of vaccines, just like the kids, with all kinds of spooky names. Uh, what are some of them? Um, um, do you know? Um, uh, for vaccines? Yeah, for the dogs. For yeah. I know distemper, I distemper, believe. Distemper. There's also, uh, there's another Parvo, one. Parvo. And they yeah. really scare people into getting them. But do these things exist? Distemper well, virus you know or pyro, do they even exist? Well, they're they're basically the same symptoms of disease. They're I just see. given a different. Distemper is almost exactly the same as rabies. Ah. If you look at, they're the exact same symptoms, and they will admit that they are regularly confused for one another. Um, encephalitis is another one that uh, can cause the exact same symptoms of disease. Uh, parvo, I believe, can cause the exact same. So you know they have this history of taking symptoms and putting different names to them and different viruses and it's you know i i, yeah, I believe because i've seen this with polio and smallpox it's to make it look like the vaccines are actually effective because then they can branch off what is normally considered a rabies case you know and claim no it's not rabies that's distemper or no that's that's parvo it wasn't mm-hmm. rabies look vaccine is effective there's no rabies cases around anymore um but there's other diseases that have the exact same symptoms and you even see that with um australia which is considered rabies free right now but they have cases of um what they call uh, i can't remember the names there's different names of these viruses but they're within the same family of rabies they're called lysoviruses and they're bat related lysoviruses which cause the exact same symptoms of rabies but they're not called rabies cases so Australia, even though they claim to be rabies-free, still has the same disease running around. They just claim it's based on a different virus causing the same symptoms. So they get to keep their rabies-free status, but if they were to change that name and call these rabies, they would lose it. Um, Mike Stone is with us, Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network. Here's an email from Indrek. What are your guest thoughts on the immune system does it have anything to do with immunoglobulins in the white blood cells? I got recently diagnosed with some sort of immune deficiency and have to receive intravenous treatment. Thanks. Well, the immune system, uh, for me personally, I don't believe, based on what I've researched, especially primarily focused on antibody research, that there is such a thing as immune system as far as like there's nothing for us to be immune from. You know, there's no pathogens <laughs> that are coming. Did I just hear you say that? And it's true. If you really think about it, there is nothing for us. To, what do we want to be immune from? Exactly. What? There's nothing. There's nothing that can invade us, like pathogenic bacteria or funguses and things like that that are coming from outside of our bodies and going into us that we have to be, uh, you know, immune from. I, I look at it as more like wow. a plumbing system. Wow. You know, our bodies are are designed to, if we have a toxic environment, it's designed to flush that out. To get it out, right. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a plumbing system, not an immune system. It's not, you know, building up any sort of immunity. It's just how efficiently is it working to release these toxins that are being built up into your body. So we take in toxins through the air, the water, the food, chemicals, stress, whatever, and then the body has to get rid of these things and it will try and this is when we get sick and we think that we've caught something it's is that simple isn't it yeah the symptoms of disease you know people are sitting there thinking that's a bad thing but really it's a response that your body is doing what it's supposed to do it's Hmm. supposed to get rid of these toxins you know when you're uh, coughing you're trying to get something um some of these toxins out or if you have if you're vomiting that means it was trying to expel whatever it was within your body that was causing you to have, uh, you know, some illness. Um, I actually just posted on Twitter uh, a link to this this guy. I think his name was Don Tolman, who it's a 14-minute. If you go to my Twitter, it's just virology.com. Don Tolman? It's a four- I think I know yeah. this fellow. He's been around for a while. I- yeah, he has. And he had this, it's like a 14-minute explanation of how, you know, 
what we used to consider disease grandmas would have like a really simple remedy right. for right. and then people be like no no that's too simple i need to go take this medication and and stop this symptom from happening and then by stopping and suppressing those symptoms you go on to have worse symptoms and so then grandma would have another cure here do this and then, no no grandma that's too simple i want to go take this medication which will suppress this and then you know a few months later you'll come down with worse disease it's a really mm-hmm. I, I thought it was amazing because it was comedic, but it was so true. Like he presented it in such a way that, uh, you know, it explains it easily for people, but it's entertaining at the same time. So, cool. I, so how do we find that Twitter? Just put your name, Twitter? Oh, yeah, just virology. Bi- I, I believe that would be the easiest way to find it. You should pull me right up. Virology. Um, yeah. With, with Mike Stone. Um, so... We say there's nothing for us to be immune from, and that would right. also mean we have to include bacteria, parasites, fungus, right? We have to. Right. Yeah. And when you start going through the literature, like with bacteria, you know, uh, Robert Koch uh, was was big. You know, he had his postulates, which were supposed to show Koch's postulates, that bacteria. Yeah. yeah. yeah that they were pathogenic that you know if you're gonna claim that a certain microbe causes disease he had these four their logic-based criteria that were supposed to be satisfied in order to prove that um a specific path or microbe caused disease and the first one was that um if you were going to find this pathogen or this microbe it should only be in those who are sick and not not those who are healthy Right, and that that's makes a, sense. That's the first postulate. It should yeah. only be in the person that is sick, and you can't find this right. anywhere else, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you know that right there should tell you that asymptomatic disease is you know completely fraudulent because these are entirely healthy people that are being told that they have a, a virus or a, or a bacteria or something like that, and it completely goes against that first logical postulate. So. Um, that was the first one. The The second postulate was that uh, this microbe should be grown in a pure state, in a pure culture, which um, is completely against bi- virology. But um, once you grow this uh, microbe, you're then supposed to be able to put it into a healthy host and produce the exact same symptoms of disease. And so um, once you've shown this step, this third logical step, you're supposed to, in the fourth uh, criteria, uh, you're supposed to be able to find the same microbe, re-isolate it, regrow it in culture from the newly sickened host. And then you repeat this process over and over again, and that's supposed to show that, uh, you know, a microbe can actually cause disease. But the problem is, uh, for Koch, you know, he was known for primarily for like tuberculosis and um, cholera, well, in those cases, he found asymptomatic, like he found the bacteria, like the tuberculosis bacterium and cholera in regularly in healthy people. Huh. So he couldn't even complete his first postulate, right? Um, I think in the case of cholera, he couldn't even grow it. And he tried to experimentally make not only animals sick, but himself sick, and he couldn't do it. Hmm. But they still claim that cholera, the bacteria, causes the, the disease that it's associated with. So, you know, they, they can't do this. They'll, they'll fudge it and try to break the rules and, and bend them to try and say that these things that they find in people are the cause of disease. They can't ever demonstrate it. They can't. So are all of these different things you hear about, Africa, whatever, do you think they're all detoxification pathways that are going on and people do it? together because they maybe drink the same water or whatever oh yeah i think a, a lot mm-hmm. of it is tied to your environment mm-hmm. you know not only uh especially in families you know typically we t- tend to eat the same meals a lot of the times um, or the same foods um the environment we breathe the same air we're around the same uh environmental pollutants whether it's you know uh, wi-fi radiation or, or different emfs and uh frequencies that are out there um, so yeah, I believe primarily most of these are, are uh, responses to 
the environment. It could be their, you know, there's so many factors. It can also be related to stress. Um, uh, if they're regularly dealing with anxiety and fear, which I think was a big thing throughout this whole huge. last yeah, few years. Huge. Yeah, the fear alone can make people experience the symptoms that they're being told they may experience. You know, the, the whole nocebo effect. I don't um, think there's any doubt, Mike Stone, with that. I've seen it in all my contemplations and meditation. And if we're afraid of something, anything can happen. Anything, yeah, you can imagine Anything that, that, that can happen. Exactly. And so they were very effective with, with their fear campaign. And, and taking something like uh, a loss of smell and taste... You know, mm-hmm. something that was, you know, people experienced that for, for decades. It's not a new symptom, but they presented it as one. And then people started looking for that and like, oh, yeah, I lost my sense of taste and smell. Yeah, people say and, it all the time. I got emails. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got something. That was like the defining thing, right? That 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 loss of smell and taste. And so, um, you know, they we can get these ideas in our heads. And I'm not saying people didn't experience this. I think a big part no, of it is actually the air pollution you know really? but i think um a lot of it is fear based as well you, you tell yourself that you're going to come down with these symptoms and you can manifest them too or you might just start being more aware of it how many times are people having you know a disturbed sense of smell or taste that they just would have ignored it in the past and i've actually found a lot of studies where people were saying that it's, it's just it's a symptom that was ignored yes, a lot sir. people didn't complain about it and in my opinion just things of being uncomfortable and being uncertain with your life or your kids or money, angst about just being here, that can, all kinds of things can happen in the body, and they do. I mean, I think this is what the cause of diseases. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we're all in the same, you know, even the temperature, you know, we're in sure. the same weather. Um, I mean, it has been known for a long time that during the winter months, people typically go through uh, detoxification or the flu symptoms. You know, it's just it's the changing of the weather. We're not out in the sunlight as much. We're we're inside. We're less active, more more sedentary, and so your body is more likely to go through a detoxification at that time. And and people will experience it around the same time. Yeah, Mike Stone, stay right there. I have to do a quick break here. We'll we'll talk tell our folks about a few of our products and then we'll be back with Mike Stone. We got some other emails and we'll get to yours. If you'd like to join us, Patrick at one radio network.com. Patrick at one radio network.com. We have one of our favorite products on sale right now with the uh, 20% deal. Code is optimize O P T I M I Z E on any survival link to one of the first food for all mammals. And as such very highly nutrient dense, Immunity, uh, uh, vitality, that word again, immunity, right? <laughs> Even there, vitality supporting whole food, packed with proteins, bioactive essential fats. It's really a good food, and Sir Thrival has some of the best pro- uh, uh, colostrum that we know of, and there's four or five different flavors, and you can check it out on One Radio Network, promo code OPTIMIZE for 20% off on any Sir Thrival link on One Radio Network. Any survival link, one radio network. This is probably the only really non, well, I guess it is food-based because sulfur comes from DMSO and hydrogen peroxide, DMSO uh, originally from pine trees, but we sell this one and people like it. Previously with Mr. Oxygen, Ed McCabe, we asked him this. Does sulfur, does it bring oxygen to the cells as well? Yes, that's what oxygen, sulfur are just... That's what it does. Kissing cousins, they love each other. The sulfur takes the oxygen. Now, in the beginning, we would have people stuff themselves with oxygen, either ozone or transport for oxygen in there, in not, not the burnt-out, dead MSM that sells millions and millions of dollars worth in the health food stores and other places all over the world. It's worthless. You have to get the real organic. So don't ever shop price at MSM because you're just going to get garbage. You need the organic super sulfur. Real, pure, living sulfur. Organic sulfur. That's what we sell right here. Three prices, depending on where you live. If you'd like more than four pounds, email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. 
We'll give you a discount. Order anytime, front page, click oneradionetwork.com. We've been using an exciting technology for, I guess, August, September, October, November, December, three and a half years. And our latest machine that we're using, we've changed into, we, we believe, is a real step up in technology, and it's molecular hydrogen. Molecular hydrogen. It's been used prolifically in Japan. They're the real hydrogen uh, genies in the world, in Japan. They're using hydrogen to help folks to heal from uh, strokes. They actually have hydrogen in ambulances in Japan, not oxygen, seriously. And uh, it kind of, it's and it's just a food. It's just energy. It's just chi. It's not a, trying to kill anything. It's just hydrogen, one of the most prolific molecules on this earth plane. It's everywhere. Um, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And you can breathe it and then drink the water. We make the water in the morning. We breathe it as much as we can. This is a wonderful machine. It's made in Japan. We think it's the best machine. No maintenance. Make two quarts of water. You breathe as much gas as you can. And it's just a food. It's just like an all-time great food that your body will do lots of things that it needs to do. And it's a real helper. It is hydrogen, which is pretty much what, what water is, H2O. Hydrogen, hydrogen to parts oxygen. Uh, uh, hydrogen machine. It is promo code one radio for a hundred bucks off. And it's on the front page. It's called the Holy Hydrogen. We think it's the best machine ever. What's well, the best machine we know of? We may find a better one. We'll switch to that if we do. But that's just the way we do it around here. And uh, so check it out, oneradionetwork.com. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is oneradionetwork.com. With Mike Stone, Virology. You can find him on Twitter. I'm looking forward to seeing that Don Tolman thing. You know, I think I interviewed him years ago. Isn't he country guy somehow? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what he was into when we talked to him, but the name sure sounds familiar. Here's an email for you. Can your guest please comment on if if what we were calling a virus in 2020 was in fact a type of poisoning? I was very, very ill in March of 2020 with supposedly the big C virus. However, I felt I'd been poisoned. I do not attribute my symptoms to 5G before the story on snake venom or peptides I'd had a dream about snakes, kept thinking I had been poisoned. Has your guess heard of the theory of the snake venom causing the uh, such symptoms? We talked about that what, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, I don't believe there's any really valid evidence for snake poisoning or anything being in the water beyond like the typical poisons that we're uh, consuming in our water, like mm-hmm. you know, chlorine, chloride, and um, different plastics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem. Yeah, I think we are being poisoned. Um, I don't know, you know, there's no real evidence that there's a new poison, actually. Um, we're, but we're constantly being poisoned by the foods that we eat. If we're, you're, you know, covered in pesticides, pesticides like uh, glyphosate, um, you know, the water that we drink, the um, air that we breathe is heavily polluted, and it's not getting any better. Um, so it's hard to identify, like, an actual... Um, like a single, I don't believe there's a single cause as far as a, a new, because there's really no new disease. I know people have been getting sick, but there's no new symptoms of disease. It's the same, same symptoms. Thing. We've, since yeah, the since same there's exact. nothing out there attacking us, it can't be anything new. It's just, no, it's just the same process. The same process goes so different. And I would think too, Mike Stone, that if you believe that this PCR test was accurate, or still is, and it, we know it's not. It's been proven to be false. And you do the test and you think you've got something. I mean, what's the chances that you're going to feel badly after that? Oh, exactly. I mean, you're just uh, confirming <laughs> that, you know, your, 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 your fears. Essentially, I mean, people were just going, that's the thing. I've always called it a testing pandemic. It's not a viral one. We, we have a test that is doing something it's not designed to do. You know, it's not supposed to be used for for diagnosis, and it's not even detecting an actual virus. It's just detecting 
uh, in silico genome that was uh, created from unpurified bowel fluid of one patient. And they assembled that into a theoretical genome of what this SARS-CoV-2 virus is supposed to be. And then, you know, they'll find that in other uh, samples just based on PCR, like high cycle thresholds. They, they, it can go all the way up to, I believe the tests that they use are uh, anywhere from 40 to 45 cycles, which I, I don't know how they depth spin you want to get. But yeah. yeah, the more you do it, the the better chance you're going to hit a positive result. And I believe it was uh, Fauci himself said anything over 35 yeah. is, you know, just dead nucleotides, whatever that means, and that they're all false positives after that. But technically, they all are false positives because it's not detecting a virus. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with, I can't remember the name of the college, I think it was my, maybe Dartmouth or something in 2007, there was a supposed whooping cough outbreak um, at this facility. And they had all the symptoms and everything. And they used PCR to try and identify the cases. And there's like over 150 people or 160 that were all identified by PCR to have had whooping cough. But then when they did the culture um, on these patients to, to see if they actually had uh, the bacterium, there was nothing there. Um, and so it was a 100% false positive generated mini epidemic. And, and it just goes to show that this uh, technique, PCR, can be used to create the perception that there's an epidemic or a pandemic going on when there is absolutely nothing that is detecting. Is, is that what they used in uh, the late 70s and early 80s to diagnose somebody with the HIV Virus? Yeah, I believe it was. Similar? It wasn't. It was like in the mid mid eighties, I believe, is when it started being used for for HIV. But yeah, it like HIV, I believe, it was primarily through antibody testing at the beginning. Which, you know, it's the one virus where antibody results. If you go based on their theories, antibodies are supposed to mean that you're immune, right? That your body's actually fought off. That's the what virus they say, right? Yeah, yeah, right. But with HIV, if they detect antibodies, that means you're infected and you're eventually going to die. And they gave him the so medicine, right? And which was yeah, dangerous. oh yeah, the AZT, which uh, basically created the symptoms that they called AIDS, put those all under the AIDS umbrella, and wow. they poisoned people to death until wow. I think it was the mid '90s when they realized, yeah, AZT, which was a black box labeled uh, drug, it was meant originally, I think, meant for chemotherapy, if I remember correctly, and they said it was too toxic for chemotherapy. And so, lo and behold, they repurpose it for uh, HIV, kind of similar to what they did with, you know, remdesivir, you know, now they're Same repurposing thing. a drug and, and using it, or they did, to treat COVID patients and we're killing them with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, they then in the mid-90s said, well, that's too toxic. We need to come up with something that's less toxic. And yeah. so sure enough, people are now living longer <laughs> on these drugs I that they take. That. But eventually, we'll kill him. Mike Stone is with us, uh, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. He can't stay a long time, so we only have about 15 more minutes. So come in if you have a question. Kerry Mullis, and we had this video on our website, he he invented the PCR and con- right. and confirms everything that you all have all said, that they're just fraudulent. But he also said that he spent two years looking for the HIV virus, and he never found right. it, never found it. Never yeah, they they never did. I mean, they they said, you know, I, I believe it was Gallo, uh, Robert Gallo in 1984, they announced the the isolation of the or the, the you know, they discovered the cause of HIV or not HIV, AIDS. AIDS. They, they HIV. But, you know, when you really look into this, uh, the the original discoverer of the virus and the person who was given the Nobel Prize was a French uh, virologist named Luc Montagnier. And Gallo actually just copied from his work and then claimed success in America. There was a huge wow. falling out between America and France over this. Um, wow. <laughs> and, and Gallo ended up being accused of fraud, and he never got the Nobel Prize, whereas Montagnier did get the Nobel Prize. But the interesting thing about Montagnier is that he admitted that they never purified and isolated the virus or they never purified it and he admits that in order to prove that you have a virus you have to purify and so 
they never did that. They never put the, the sample through a purification step. It took them, he said it was a Herculean effort just to identify the particles that they said were HIV. So you know it was an unpurified mess and they just picked the particle that right. they assumed was the virus and said, there it is. But even through all this, he always said that he did not believe HIV caused AIDS. So he said he had identified a retrovirus, even though it didn't look like a characteristic re retrovirus, but it was not the cause of AIDS. And he himself said that if someone changed their lifestyle, you know, their nutritional habits and stuff like that, they could cure themselves of AIDS. So, or, or not, you know, it wouldn't progress. Their body, they could go essentially through a detoxification and, and make themselves healthy all over. Um, and so, yeah, it's another case where they they did not ever find an actual virus. They just assumed that these indirect evidence that they get through these cell culture experimentations mean a virus is present and then associate with symptoms of disease. And even with AIDS, it's the same, uh, pretty much the same symptoms of disease that you saw with syphilis. They just rebranded it. Oh, yes. So We've read that. It was, yeah, it was yeah, bacteria version. AIDS is the virus version. Hannah writes in, I have studied herbalism and plant medicines for a long time. Many plants are naturally antiviral, containing antiviral properties due to compounds found in the plant. Antimicrobial, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory. So if one does not believe the virus exists, how would you explain why natural medicines exist to support our immune system? Sickness does exist. So how do you explain human illnesses, sicknesses, or disease in the human body? Well, I think, again, it's disease is a, a healing process, right? Right. And th there's no one saying that you can't maybe take something that will help the body along through this process, whether it's herbs or different things spices i mean they've you're done not that suggesting that yeah i mean it's been used right. forever right but the problem is you're associating those effects with a story like saying that there's such a thing as an antiviral herb well there's no such you'd have to prove the virus exists before and then you have show an antiviral some, herb right yeah before you can show that this herb is actually doing anything to a virus or right. or along those lines so um we're not saying that you can't help your body along you can't help your body through using some things to uh let it detox itself in a more efficient way um i don't think they're always necessary i think if you allow your body to heal itself gonna, it will yeah do it. it will the problem is when people tend to interfere within that process especially with pharmaceuticals that's when the problems the bigger problems arise and that's actually what that that tolman don tolman video was about this is interesting, uh, and I want to send you the video. I think you'll find it fascinating. Uh, Dr. Richard Massey, MD, defrocked, but he's still, he's got his MD. Uh, uh, he works with people, and he was showing us blood samples yesterday on the show. And he was showing that there's a, this separation with people who are feeling bad, where the, there's this black line that gets separated. And he's using um, ultraviolet light um, to help people, and these cells will come back together. So I said to him, well, there's no virus, so what's the ultraviolet light doing? And to answer to Hannah's question, he said, I know, but the body creates exosomes, which are like viruses, and the, the, the exosomes are trying to heal. That's what they're trying to do. And when you, you can actually do some things like vitamin C or herbs to heal that, help that process along. But that doesn't mean you're killing anything. It was fascinating because I really, I got it when he showed me that he can do this ultraviolet light and then these cells come back together, this separation, but the separation is more, of a, is more of a spiritual thing where you think you're separated from God and you think something can get you. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, exosomes, I've, I've looked into, it. the problem with exosomes, it, it's again, it's a story. It's like just we, a story. we don't, yeah. I mean, it's they're the same size as viruses. They go through the same process to try and identify them. I'm not saying that there aren't substances in our body that ultraviolet light might not benefit us, you know, or could help us through. I mean, sunlight. We know sunlight is really beneficial. We need it. Our bodies need that to to be healthy. Um, the problem is people 
typically are associating different entities that are unproven to explain effects. And, and so whether it's a virus, you know, you're, you're su supplying a, a theoretical entity to say that that causes disease or an antibody, you know, another theoretical uh, entity never proven to exist that is causing or creating immunity or in the case of HIV, it's causing disease, whatever. Um, or even with exosomes, they, they're supposedly, you know, at one point they were uh, garbage disposal units and or they're they're communicating and things like that. These are all unobservable processes to entities that are never um, directly observed. They're, they're created through these cell culture experiments and different things like that. So I'm, I'm just I would question the story, but I'm not saying that the effects aren't real, like taking ultraviolet light to blood. I mean, there is these um, this video I saw. I can't remember the name of these brothers, but they were looking at blood under a live microscopy, like um, light microscopy. I can't remember what type, but you could see within this analysis, this, it's called live blood analysis, where if yes. someone was suffering something, they could see like an image or like a hologram of that within the blood. Yes. And it's that's entirely like, it's just crazy to me. I don't know how to even explain that's that. And the there's work, certain yeah, things what's we the don't work, know. Yeah, we used to interview the fellow. Now the sons are taking on this project. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've had him on the air. It's very fascinating, boy. Ooh. Very fascinating. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. Like some of these 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 um, discoveries, um, the problem is we're so focused. Our our science, our research is so focused on fictional entities like uh, viruses and antibodies and stuff like that. We're not really looking at these other areas that people are making discoveries in and really truly learning how the body works how, how and, the body and works. what these processes are. Yeah, here's yeah. another one. Uh, here's a lady that her sister got sick and COVID and she followed Dr. Brownstein's nebulizing um, hydrogen peroxide with iodine. She was also helped by MMS and, and she never felt like she's been on death door before. People were really sick but it still yeah. doesn't explain you know, causation and you're still buying into the idea that these things killed something that was hurting your sister but that doesn't that's that was just a story you don't know that you don't know it exactly no and, evidence. and we don't know if, no evidence if there yeah and sometimes some of these things that we do might even prolong that experience of, of being in a disease state where is if you left your body alone it might have healed even faster and i've done that myself where i was feeling sick and in the past you know you might go for sure. like a nyquil or something like right. that i've done that in a long time but you know I noticed myself when I leave my body alone and allow it to just go through its natural healing process, I get over these things way faster. Um, my wife probably doesn't like me to mention this. She would be the type that would go after different medicines and, and nasal sprays and things like that. And her, her process would take a lot longer. So I think sometimes the best thing you can do is just, you know, the old um, uh, adage of just, you know, rest and, and uh, uh, was it fasting and resting? I can't remember the actual sure. saying. Uh, but shouldn't bring it up. I think it's like starve a starve a fever, feed a cold. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. My mom, when we were kids, used to uh, give us a, a big hit of castor oil, put us in bed, pile blankets on top of us, and we'd wake up and the whole bed was wet, and we felt great. And we had to go to school. So, yeah. I mean, that's that was the deal. We just were detoxing. You know, there was nothing. Castrol doesn't kill anything. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. Your body was able to sweat out some of the toxins and poop that it was out. under, yeah. and you were able to rest. Yeah, and poop out. There's a lot of different ways that our body can excrete these toxins, but you know, maybe given some of these supplements might help somewhat. Well, sure, but they, they could. Yeah, we can't. You know. They might resolve some symptoms, but the problem is the the poisons that people are really like the the synthetic chemicals, these types of things like the Nyquil's, taking Tylenol, um, going for a vaccine. These are all unnecessary. They're just chemical toxins that we're putting into an already toxic body, and it might suppress this uh, process, this healing process. Not might it does it suppresses your healing process, and then it just comes back even worse uh, later. So you're setting yourself up for future disease. It's really fascinating to me, Mike Stone, and not criticizing, but you know what we're talking about and what we've learned over the last few years with me hanging out with you and Cowan and those folks and, and Melissa Sell and, and the Baileys are going to be on next week, that this is exciting stuff. You know, the body will 
take care of it. Just leave it alone. Don't. But folks, they just want to believe in this virus and bacteria, and they just want to believe it. Uh, you know, if that's what you want to do, man, it's uh, go for it. It's you know, but absolutely. But this is exciting stuff. The body is a beautiful thing. You know, why not? It's smart. Why not? Yeah. Why not try to buy into that thing for a while and see how that works for you? Absolutely. We right? were, our bodies are created smart. You know, they know what to do. They know how to take care of us. But we've been told that our bodies oh, over are and over and, and over and attacking over. us. And, you know, that they don't they don't know what to do. We have to help it along with this. I mean, we're it's this whole idea that our bodies are not efficient. Yeah. They can't do what they're designed to do. And, and we need outside intervention to, to let it heal or function and these processes are what are actually making us sick and you can understand why it happens people go in and they get diagnosed with i don't know uh, pneumonia and so they right. give them a bacteria i mean a, a antibiotic and the bacteria is trying to heal the lungs as i've been taught right so it kills the bacteria the the healing process stops the people say yep. oh well the back you know the antibiotics cured my my uh, um you know pneumonia and it's just not the case. It is, right. There's you no proof to that. Right? Symptoms for a while, but you didn't take care of the root cause. It'll come back, you know, you, right? Yeah, exactly. You'll and then you'll they'll they'll say, well, now it's antibiotic resistant bacteria. Well, no, it's just you create a situation where more had to come through to do the cleaning process uh, that it would have been, you know, able to do with less right. in the past. So. Yeah, you're just setting yourself up for a worse situation by, by continuing to try and suppress the, the healing. The body knows what it's designed to do, or it knows what to do. So we just have to allow it to, to do that. And the best thing I've found is rest and relaxation. And, water. And, yeah, yeah water. Saunas, keep yourself hydrated. Whatever you want to do. So before we exactly. go, this whole thing with parasites, I mean, I was in a camp in, in the natural healing model over the last 40, 50 years, and we just thought that we had to kill these parasites because they were bad, and you know we did zappers and I don't know what, Holder Clark's herbs and that. But the more right. I look at it, I don't think there's any parasites that need to be croaked. Aren't they just trying to clean things up just like everything else? Yeah, the microbes, exactly, our body. Yeah, they, they serve a function. I mean, if they're trying to kill their host, I'm not saying, you know, I, I personally haven't looked into parasites as much as I have with viruses and bacteria. Um, I know uh, another friend of mine, um, Daniel Reutis, uh, he, he has a humanly.com. I, I believe he's looked into parasites and molds and different things like that a lot more. Um, What's his last name? Uh, Reutis, R-O-Y-T-A-S. C-A-S? I really recommend T. Oh. T is in Tom. Reutis. Uh, okay. Yep. And it, his site is humanly, H-U-M-A-N. L E Y, I believe. And he's making L-Y. the case that these parasites and and all this stuff and molds are 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 not need to be killed. Right, like the the evidence, the scientific evidence is just not there that they are pathogenic. And and you look in a lot of cases, you know, a parasite is symbiotic. It's supposed to be uh, benefiting the the host in some way. If they kill the host, then they're dead. You know, it's not, it doesn't really uh, work out too well for them. Right. Final thing, can you guess? Uh, if he understands that some protocols involve supporting the body rather than killing anything, does he have any things that he would take like vitamin D, vitamin uh, vitamin C, vitamin D? Get out in the sun, that's vitamin D. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah exactly. Get out in the sun, exercise, drink plenty of water. I, I drink purified water, yeah, yes, reverse sir. osmosis. Um, eat plenty of, uh, you can get what you need just from eating clean organic fruits and vegetables. You don't. I I used to take supplements. I don't anymore. I don't believe. I don't either. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't believe we need a multivitamin or or some of these things. I'm not saying that you can't maybe get some benefit. Like I know in some in the past, I used to take turmeric for inflammation. Whether or not it actually helped with inflammation, I don't know. It but we did it because we we thought it did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't. But I mean, I think for the most part, we can get what we need through our own uh, nutrition, mm-hmm. um, eating clean, organic, drinking plenty of purified water, getting out, like you said, in the sunlight, being active, um, reducing our stress levels. Those Huge. are the things that we need yeah. to do. Huge. Yeah, take, take Huge. care of the, the physical and mental aspect and you'll be fine. I know a fellow in Florida, Hippocrates, uh, Brian Clement, and he looks great, dark hair, and he, he just he's a fireball, totally vegan. You know, 
living foods, sprouts kind of thing. But he takes about 40, 40 supplements a day to, to do that, to make that work. Wow. And he talks about it. That's wow. what he does. He just eats sprouts and living things and fine. But he's got to take about 40 different things to keep his body functioning. And he does look great. I mean, he looks like... Right. So, I mean, you know, whatever it's you amazing. want to... I mean, there's, that's the thing. There's people that can, you know... I, I try to stay out of the whole diet debate because yeah. there, there are people that are like, well, vegan, you got to go vegan. That's the only healthy way to live. And you can find people that are very healthy being vegan, but you can also find people that are very, very sick. Um, same thing with people who eat meat. You know, you can find very healthy people that eat meat and you can find very unhealthy. I think there's more to it versus what we eat. I think the big part of it is putting clean um, produce into our bodies. But the there's so many factors that can lead to disease that we just have to make sure that yeah. we do the best dressing each of them. Yeah. We interviewed a Dr. Seafried and he's all over this cancer thing in Boston College, 150 peer-reviewed studies. And he claims, and you can see the show on BitChute that we did, it's pretty much just glucose and glutamine are what causes feeds cancer. Sugar, carbohydrates. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it, it feeds cancer? It, it feeds cancer, yeah. Oh, feeds cancer. Carbohydrates. Yes, yes, yeah. That's why yeah, these keto yeah. carnivore things, that people do well with it because all the carbohydrates yeah. are just sugar, and potatoes and all. I'll send you the link. I think you'll enjoy it. This guy was really yeah, cool. That. Yeah, really interesting guy. Mike, I know you got to go take care of your kid and get him from school. Oh, you don't want to leave him out there hanging out there. You uh, might get some yeah, girls' phone good. numbers and get in trouble, you know, so don't let him do that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Mike He's a, woman, a little womanizer. We'll see you soon, Michael. Thank you very Sounds much good. for being here. Okay. You bet. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Mike Stone, take care. his website is a cool one. You can get his uh, email. I'm sorry, you can get his, uh, his, I get a little newsletter from Mike. You can do that. Vera, Virlige, V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y, and you can find this uh, Mike Tolman video he talked about on Twitter with Mike Stone, and uh, good stuff. And um, Okay, so we are going to, what are we going to do? Well, I guess we're going to go have lunch. We'll go have some lunch, and then tomorrow, Steve Falconer. Do you know Steve? His website or his YouTube channels are Space Busters. He's into all kinds of fascinating things. And after our conversation with Martin Armstrong this morning on One Radio Network, and uh, we'll put these videos up in the next few days up on BitChute and also the audios. We have a lot of audios. We're kind of behind uh, in nuclear. Um, Steve Falconer, his, his take is that there are no nuclear weapons that this whole thing from the beginning has been a scam. And you know what? I really, I, I think I, deep in my gut, you know, my real um, intuition from a spiritual level, I think that we've all been scammed with these nuclear uh, weapons from a long time ago. When I was in grade school, uh, they were selling, selling us on the idea that Russia could um, could nuke us at any time. This was 60 years ago. I think they're running with the same scam. Um, these people are psychopaths, all of them, and they're not going to, you know, nuke up the planet. And I, I, I don't believe any of it. I, I don't believe anything these people say. So that's the last thing I'm thinking about for what that's worth. I don't know. I mean, even if they did have them, you think it would be any better to worry about them, it'd be worse. You'd get sick just worrying about them. So let it go. These, let it go. Okay, kids, we'll see you tomorrow with Steve Falconer and we'll have some fun and see what kind of trouble we can get into. Thanks for your ongoing support. We've been getting some lot of good comments on the show we did with uh, uh, Greg the Hydrogen Man. I haven't even put the audio up yet with this new hydrogen machine that we're promoting. And he said this is the best one out there. So you might want to look at that on the Holy Hydrogen Hydrofix machine on One Radio Network. This would be a perfect thing for Linda, who's asking for um, supporting the body to heal without killing anything. Hydrogen doesn't kill anything. It doesn't. Hydrogen peroxide and all these things, I don't see any reason. I, why take them? If there's nothing out there that's get, trying to kill us, 
Why take them? You're just screwing things up, in my opinion. Don't do it. Trust your body. You'll be fine. But we always want to fix things. We human. Well, I got to fix it. I got to take this. Got to take that. And I did it too. So I'm not being overly critical. I spent a lot of years doing the same thing. Fifty years, probably. Sixty years, maybe. Same thing. But it's just a, it's just made up, folks. When you really look at it, <laughs> there's nothing out there trying to hurt us. Just isn't. Okay, uh, I love you all. Thank you. We will see you tomorrow. Steve Falconer, Space Busters, 10 o'clock Central. Let me know if I can help with anything. Just email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. I love you all very much. You're doing great. Don't worry about anything. You're fine. And uh, see you tomorrow. May the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.